Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. feel the jealous heart of God saying, I don't want to leave anyone out all the way in the floor, uh, up in the balcony. God is going to do unique deposits in the hearts of his people today. So Lord, we invite the Holy spirit. We know that apart from you, we can do absolutely nothing. Holy spirit. I pray that you would arrest the room, Lord, that there would be deposits of God. Lord, even I see dreams being awakened in the hearts of your people in this house, a special deliverance from heaven to earth. And so father, we pray that there is no ceiling. There is no ceiling in God. We ask for an open heaven over this room and we say, do what you love to do. Make us love Jesus even more than when we first came inside the building. Amen. You guys can be seated. I'm so honored to be here. Just as you know, it's, it's very rare where you find a pastor who gives room for women preachers. You guys probably are used to it because he allows women in the pulpit, but I'm so honored to be able to be a woman preacher, a minority preacher and a young preacher. That is rare to have men open up the door. So I just want to, again, just honor you for that because I believe that God is raising up women voices in the earth to deal with the current crisis. Don't be discouraged. There is an Esther in the wing. Don't be discouraged. There's a Deborah on the rise that will deal with the spirit of Moloch and Baal in the earth. God is going to end abortion and he's going to send revival to America and it's going to be through a praying remnant of women that are healed even from their scars. They're going to be called the wounded warriors. It's going to start at the local level and it's going to go to the national level. Esther's are arising for such a time as this. Come on, where are my ladies at? Fire of God. How many of you were at the conference? How many of you still feel the fire of God on you? You feel, you still feel the burning of God right now. Lord, we ask for more. We've not come for a spectacle show to see a person. We ask that there would be another level of your glory in this room. See, God did something so unique with the women. I believe that the women are carrying atomic power to release the glory of God on the earth. How many of you believe that? And the best thing we could do is say more, Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. So I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. I did meet your pastor in uh, 2005. I was 26 years old. And I remember just going wherever revival was, I wanted to be a part of it. How many of you are like that? If you sense any touch of God, you just put yourself in the middle and pray that he doesn't pass you by. I remember being a young girl just saying, God, I'm so hungry for revival. So I went to Chicago and it was a John and Carol Arnott meeting. And I remember going to these meetings because I wanted to be free from an orphan spirit. And so I said, Lord, wherever there's a trickle of the father's love, I want to get myself into it because I didn't want anything to stop me from being a voice. I didn't want to have a father wound stop me from being a voice. So I would go to these conferences. I got saved. I I just want to share really quick my story. Is that okay? Before I get into this message, just because I want all of you to know, there's no one disqualified from this revival that's coming. 
God is going to take little drug babies in the inner cities and he's going to raise them up to be priests in the end times unto his son. And so I remember growing up in New York City during the drug wave. How many of you remember the crack cocaine wave? Everybody was robbing everybody. It was such a time. You know, crack and cocaine decimated the inner cities of America. It was worse than Jim Crow. And I remember growing up in that period and my parents falling prey to the drug wave, unfortunately. Actually, I just buried both my parents within two years. But my mom fell prey to it. And I remember as a little girl, the police coming into my house and taking us all away. And I was sent down the stream of the foster care system. The reason why I call it a stream, because I want to say there are anti-Moseses being sent down that stream of the foster care system. And I was born Angela Cornish. That was the name that my mom gave me. She named me Angela Cornish. But when I was about three years old, I found myself in the foster care system and a woman by the name of Rosalie Rock. I don't know how many of you are familiar with Chris Rock, very famous comedian in Hollywood. His mom came and said, I'm going to take you in my house and I'm going to name your name is going to go from Angela Cornish to Angela Rock. And I'm a little girl. So I'm going, okay, I don't quite all understand it. Finally, at the age of seven, she said, you know, we're going to send you back into the stream of the foster care system. And by the age of seven, a woman approached us in the foster care and said, hey, I want to adopt you. And I'm going to change your name to De Havilland. I said, De what? De who? And De why? You're not going to give me that name. <laughs> what is it, De Havilland? I've never heard a name like that before. So by the age of seven, I had my name changed not just once, not just twice, but three times. Talk about an identity crisis. Can I say something? There's a whole generation with an identity crisis right now. They do not know who they are. And I was one of those. I was a sign of the crisis. I was a sign of the crisis. And I remember finding myself at 17 years old in New York City. And I'm not, you know, we all have a story. The reason why I share my story for years, I never wanted to share it. And the Lord said, do you realize that in your story, there's glory? You've got to share your story. Maybe it's not in, maybe you weren't in a park bench in New York city, whatever your story is, please tell it because the world needs to hear your story. They need to hear your journey. And so I found myself in New York on a park bench, 17 years old, drunk out of my mind, like most teenagers, unfortunately in this generation, and along came a praying mother. Now my husband says a praying mother, the difference between a praying mother and a pit bull is lipstick. <laughs> Don't mess with my child. Do we got any praying mothers in the house? You got your lipstick on ladies. So this praying mom, when she would pray, she would pace. She found me there. She was a friend of our families. And she said, you are going to come with me to my house. And I'm going, okay, I just need help. I'll go. So I remember walking in her house and I walked in and she was playing Ron Cannoli. All the old songs, you guys know Ron Cannoli. And I walked in and I remember seeing oil dripping all over the walls. And I'm going, where in the world am I? Because every good intercessor has to have a jug of oil. And she would pace her floors and pray and just throw the oil on the wall just in case there might be a demon in the house. Come on, saints, you know. Come on, church, you know. 
And I remember her just smiling. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, if she smiles one more time. But she's smiling and she's prophesying over me. And she's telling me that she's going to, you know, take me to Times Square Church 17. And she says, you're coming with me to Times Square Church. You're coming with me to this church. And I'm running around the country with her to church. Unsaved, but finally, you cannot only stay saved for so long, right? I caved in. God got a hold of my heart, and I gave my life to the Lord in 1997 through a praying mother. We need a wave of praying mothers to arise in America. Listen, during the 60s, during the sexual revolution, during the Azusa Street revival, it was a group of women that began to pray for an outpouring. They said, not on my watch. And they band together. And the Jesus people, behind the Jesus people movement, you could find a woman praying. Behind the Azusa Street revival, it was a group of business business women that funded the move of God. I say we're in another time where God is going to start to ban a group of women, like in Psalm 68, 11, a great company. And they're going to be the ones that said, no, it's not okay that the opiate crisis is destroying the suburbs. No, it's not okay that, that drugs and, 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 and what is it, infanticide and abortion is on my watch. Where are the mothers at in the house? So the Lord is moving with women. He's pouring out his spirit all over the earth. He's going to bring about an all flesh revival. God is going to pull it off because he's promised his son an inheritance. He promised Jesus a bride and Jesus will have a church. And God is going to pull it off. So let's not be fooled by CNN. Let's not be fooled by MSNBC. Because they don't know the end of the book. We know the end of the book. And revival is coming to America. We saw it with the sin. I am convinced of it. You know, I, I, I see what's happening in Chicago. And you know, it's almost like the enemy is overplaying his hand. Because now... People of God, we all know it's a baby. We all know it's a baby. So what if this is the thing that wakes up the sleeping giant called the church? Because we have no more excuses. God is going to pour out his spirit in this nation. So I I have, I'm going to help me Holy Spirit. I feel like the Lord is about to part the Red Sea. There are Moses is coming people. And it's not going to be one person. It's going to be a whole movement of deliverance. I feel it. I can feel it in my bones. The hour is demanding voices. The Lord said to me, I'm putting pressure on the church because I need to pull something out of you like John the Baptist to make you a voice. And if you try to pray it safe right now, we cannot afford to stay in safe zone. I'm sorry. We've going to be inconvenienced by love. He's going to compel us by love, but God is going to allow the pressure so that he can wake up the sleeping church to become the answer to a lost and dying world. Do you know that you are the solution to society's problems? And he's going to heal us so that we can actually see ourselves a part of the storyline of what he's doing. Do you know if God hadn't healed me, I remember a preacher coming up to me and he said, you have three strikes against you. One, you're young. 
One, you're black and one, you're a woman. If I would have listened to that, I would never do anything in God. So you've got to get over your insecurities and your fears and the things that make you feel inadequate. Those are the things that are going to become your greatest uh, uh, victories. They're going to become your greatest assignments. Does that make sense? God is going to use your weakness as your greatest strength. For every person under the sound of my voice, whatever it is you're battling with, say, Lord, take my scars and release your glory through them. Don't let my scars keep me in this place of bitterness and anxiety and fear that I never enter into my divine assignment that you've got my name on for this earth and for this generation. So I'm going to share a prophetic history of 818 The Sign. This is a movement that's actually happening right now. In 2000 and 2000, when was the call? I remember going to Washington, D.C. because I was so hungry. And I, I went to Washington to an event called The Call led by Lou Engle. Now, I know Papa Lou has been to this house, right? And I remember standing there in Washington, D.C. and hearing a 13-year-old boy by the name of Jesse Engle. And, he, and I was standing out in the crowd and he began to say, Lord, raise up the Nazarites. And I was 22 years old and I said, Lord, make me an answer to Jesse's prayer. And I, and I just said, I'm, I jumped all the way in. That was my first encounter. I'd never heard of a Nazarite before. But it was someone who didn't give themselves to wine, a completely consecrated life. So that was the first time I was even exposed to stadium gatherings and revival was through Papaloo. And I would go on to be a spiritual daughter to Lou Engle. And run with Papa Lou because he has a heart to see revival in America. So I, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because you're responsible for what you hear. Once you hear it, you have to put yourself, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to be a voice? And I begin to pray in Kansas City at the night watch. How many eye hoppers here? <laughs> Woo, all the eye hoppers. So I, I, I joined. The Lord said, go and be a part of the night watch in Kansas City. So I joined the night watch in Kansas city because I thought I wanted to do the most deepest spiritual thing, not realizing that I would be sneaking out at two in the morning eating ice cream, but I joined the night watch in Kansas city. And as I'm there in Kansas city, I started to get a burden for America and started to get a burden for prayer. And as I'm praying one day in intercession, I saw a number, how many number people, two, two, twos, 11, 11s. Where's my Dutch sheets crowd, right? (laughs) you know, it's like you just numbers. It's amazing. But I wasn't like one who saw numbers. I'd have friends be like, you know, and I saw 11, 11. And then I went to the clock and it was, and I'm going, wow, there was no grid for it. But I started to see a number 818. I would see it on license plates. I would see it on clocks. I would see it when I'd wake up. You guys are feeling what I'm saying. My alarm would go off at 818 and I never set it to 818. It started to get like, you know, I thought I was like psychosomatic going crazy. But then a lot of other intercessors all over the nation were sharing with me how they were seeing the number as well. So I'm going, okay, maybe this is God. Listen, don't ignore your dreams or these kind of, it could be it's God on it, right? And so I remember going to a gathering in Houston that was led by a bunch of young women called the Back to Life Movement. And I show up at this gathering just with a question, God, what does this mean? What does 818 mean? And as I'm at this gathering, I saw this handsome, beautiful African-American man who I married, Will Ford. 
<laughs> Sorry, I, I had a moment. Let me get back in the spirit. I mean, he looked at me and I almost fell out. Okay. It wasn't in the spirit. Come on, come on right there. Bring them Lord. <laughs> oh, Jesus is so fun. So I see Will Ford and I'm like, excuse me, Mr. Ford. Does, do you know what 818 means? And, and, and those brown eyes, he turned and I was like, oh. no, I'm just kidding. He's in Korea. Bless him, Lord. But I, he, cause I knew he was a prophet and he was speaking for Lou Ingo at this gathering, but I didn't really have a relationship with him. And I said, you know, I just want to ask you, we, there's all these intercessors around America and we're seeing this number 818. Does this mean anything to you? And I could just see the presence of God come over him. And he says, it absolutely means everything to me. I've seen the number for about six years. He goes, I know exactly what it means. Turn your Bible to Isaiah chapter eight, verse 18. That's what he, you can turn your Bible there. That's what he says to me. And he goes on to share with me this beautiful, powerful scripture. Isaiah eight eighteen. he's sharing this with me. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders in all of Israel from the Lord of hosts. And he's sharing this scripture and my heart began to burn. You ever hear a scripture that you feel like is your life verse? How many of you have life verses? Stay with me, right? So he's sharing this powerful scripture with me and my heart began to burn. And he said to Haviland, let me explain to you what God is getting ready to do. Now he shares this scripture with me in light of the urban community, but I don't think it's just for the black community. I think it's America. He says to have on there's coming a movement of revival where revival is family. God is going to make the family, the sign. And he goes on to share with me how Isaiah, I'm just going to give you the backdrop of the story. Isaiah, the prophet, God tells Isaiah to go to his wife, the prophetess, his wife was a prophet as well. And that they were to have two sons and they were, they were to name their sons as a representation of what was happening in the nation. So Isaiah's one son, and I'm going to try his, say his name. It's going to sound like I'm speaking in tongues. Mahel Shalaz Haspaz. I said it really quick. And his name means speedy to the spoil, swift to the prey. God was using Isaiah's son as a sign of swift, swift destruction that was coming upon Judah from the king of Assyria. Which also represents Satan because they walked in rebellion to the Lord. So Isaiah's one son represented what? Crisis. But then Isaiah had another son and his name, Shezazab, I said it, means a sign of the turnaround. And so he begins to share with me that God was getting ready to raise up sons of the turnaround in the midst of a uh, in the midst of sons of the crisis. And I said, well, what do you mean? Explain that to me. He said to Haviland, just think about it. We've seen the sign of the crisis in our communities with the prison populations. We've seen the sign of the crisis in our cities with abortion. We've seen the sign of the crisis in our city with poverty. But how many of you know God has another plan and he's raising up signs in the earth that will represent what he is doing and they will be called signs of the turnaround there is a turnaround coming we are in a turnaround we've heard chuck pierce we've heard the prophets saying season of the turnaround jesus is going to cause a turnaround in the nation 
and it's going to raise up sons that do not have an orphan spirit, but they will be sons and daughters that represent him on the earth in cities. I have a friend right now by the name of Jonathan Tremaine. He spoke at the sin. How many of you watched the sin? This guy is amazing. During the Ferguson riots, this young man said, God, make me a sign of the turnaround. God says, I want you to go in the middle of Ferguson and I want you to pitch a prayer tent of night and day worship and intercession. What? You want me to go to the crisis and be a sign? Are you serious? Can't I just watch it on TV and pray? I don't want to go there. God says, no, you have to go there. Because if you don't show up, the enemy wins. So Jonathan Tremaine pitches a tent. And you know what happened? Riots are breaking out. You guys remember? They threatened to burn the city down. And you know what? Pain is real. Pain is real. We don't want to say, well, shame on them. Because pain is real. Pain makes you do crazy things. Remember when you weren't with the Lord and you did some really bad things? So he goes in the city and they start to worship, Pastor. They start to sing to the Lord in the middle of this crisis. And you know what happened? How many of you want? I feel it started to rain. (laughs) It started to rain and it started to rain out of nowhere. It was a sunny day. It started to rain and the riot stopped. And people started to go into the prayer tent and some people started getting saved. I say revival is coming to America. People started getting saved and they were able to pray and lead people to the Lord. You know what? CNN didn't report that. He went in the middle of the crisis and he said, Lord, make me a sign. How many of you want to be a sign in the school systems? How many of you want to be a sign in the government? How many of you want to be a sign in Starbucks, a sign in Walmart? Oh, Walmart needs some signs. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. I go to Walmart. I'm like, oh, sweet Jesus, come. Revival. (laughs) Come on, release the Walmart prophets. I'm having fun. I'm just having fun. So Will begins to share this verse. And I'm going, okay, this is no longer just a number. And this is a scripture, but maybe this is a movement. So I go, what do I do, Lord? What do you want me to do with this? Because you know what? Each one of us, we've been giving something from the Lord that God's entrusted us. He shared his heart with us and we treat the things that are holy, right? We, we pray and we steward the word of the Lord over our lives. Even when all hell is breaking out, you have a word that's more powerful than the hell you're facing right now. You have a word, you have a promise. I don't care if it was given to you in the sixties or if it was given to you last week, you have something that God gave you. And he says, you know what? I want you to hold on to the word of the Lord. Even when all hell is breaking out in your life. That word will keep you in the midnight hour. You have a word. Some of you in this room, I know I can feel it. You have prophetic promises. Maybe you're sick in your body, but you have a promise of healing. And maybe you won't see it on this side of eternity. And maybe you will, but you hold on to that word. I remember a young man. Who's the guy? Nick. He doesn't have legs and he doesn't have arms and he is doing, you know what he said? He said, He keeps a pair of shoes in his closet just in case God heals him and he starts to walk. They said, why do you keep shoes in your closet? He said, because just in case I got my shoes because I still believe. If that doesn't make your faith rise up. So somebody's got a word. So I begin to pray into Isaiah 818. 
And I went to Lou because he's the only one I think that would believe me. And I said, Papa Lou, I, I saw this number 818. And he goes, Davlin, that's, that's a movement. You know, he's got that raspy. You got to have Lou here. And he says, you know why it's a movement? All over Atlanta, these signs started to go up. How black babies and babies, not just black babies, Hispanic babies, all babies. It said on the billboards how black babies were endangered species in the womb. And he said, what if that sign is your sign? And what if you got to go into Atlanta and actually cry out for mercy over the city? So we said, okay, what do we do with this? He said, what if it's not just a scripture and it's not just a number, but it's a day. He said, go on 818 August, 2010, go to Atlanta. So we called Alveda King. We called every pro-lifer. We called any, all the remnant. We called the, we called them all. And we said, would you, could we go in and could we cry out for mercy and maybe something will happen. So we did our first 818 gathering in Atlanta. We do our first gathering in 2010 and we saw hearts of the fathers turning back to the children. It was a powerful gathering. But then after the first gathering, a prophet walked up to me and he said to Havilland, this gathering is going to die. It's going to be like a seed in the ground at conception. You ever have a vision or a dream and you get it started and it dies like, and you're like, what? I thought this was the promise. Why am I in Joseph's pit? So the, so it, the vision dies. It just kind of goes under the ground after our first event. 2018 rolls around and Cindy Jacobs, how many of you know, Cindy, she's a prophet. She calls me and she says to Haviland, God says it's time to raise up 818, the sign in 2018 on 818. And I said, okay, what does this mean? I go home. I mean, I go to Washington DC to be with Matt and I had a dream. How many dreamers in the house? have a dream and I'm going to share the dream with you because I think this is key to what God is doing on a national level. In the dream, I saw the United States and there were riots breaking out all over America around the race issue and around the abortion issue. And people were running to the riots. How many of you know right now everybody's running to the chaos? They love chaos over truth. (laughs) And in the dream, they're all running. They're all like excited about it. They're excited about the drama. You ever meet those people who just love drama? Well, in the dream, they're excited about it. And the Lord says, don't you dare run to the riots. Run the opposite way. And I'm running in the dream and I bump into a billboard that said 818 the sign. And Lou Engle pops up in the dream and he says to Haviland 2018 is the time where God is going to raise up the signs in the earth. And I'm going, what do I do? Because I'm like a little kid. Like, so does that mean I have to do something? And he says, go toward the sign, girl. So I remember going in the dream, running toward the sign. And I wake up going, what was that? Because it was November. We were going into the new year. We were going in from 2017 to 2018. I go, I share the dream with my husband and Matt Lockett, who, you know, just prophetic. And I don't share the dream with anyone else. I get back to Dallas. This is all recorded. I get back to Dallas. Two days later, my phone rings. And it's a young woman from Ruston, Louisiana. 
And she said, excuse me, Miss Ford, I don't really know you. I met you once at a conference. I had a dream last night. And I felt so much urgency that I needed to call you and share the dream. I said, well, what was your dream? She said, I had a dream and I saw riots breaking out over America and all these cities. I saw Chicago. I saw Ferguson. I saw even the suburbs. And there was these signs that were popping up that said 818, the sign on it. It said Isaiah 818. Does that mean anything to you? Now the fear of the Lord is on me because I know I'm in a divine burning bush moment. And I said, she's like, hello. Are you there? Boom, I'm out. Because the fear of the Lord is on me because I know I'm in a moment. So I said, oh God, what do we do with this? And the Lord says, you have to raise up 818, the sign. In the inner cities of America, because the child is the sign. And if you kill the child, you cut up the voice of God to a generation. I and the children are for signs and wonders, not murder and hate. So she says that. And uh, it just starts to get really crazy. Mike Jacobs said to me, he said, you know, what if, because in Isaiah, where it says, I and the children are for signs and wonders, it goes on to say, uh, let me see if I can pull it up. But it talks about taking a large billboard and writing the name, the birth announcement of Isaiah's sons. So I said, okay, what do we do with this? A young woman walks up to me and she says, because remember I saw a billboard in my dream. She says to have an, I'm, I, me and my husband have a billboard company. We feel like we're to give you a big billboard and stick it in the city of Dallas, right on highway 67. Would you like a billboard? So she gives us a billboard. They stick the billboard up on highway 67 about the 818 gathering. But on the billboard, there's a quote from Lou Engel and Lou Engel's face. She didn't know Lou was in my dream. I never said that part. But it says dreams. He says dreams are are, are invitations into intercession. Pray your dreams over and over again. When the billboard went up in Dallas, the Lord said, let this billboard be a sign to you that I'm about to take a large tablet and I'm going to announce to nations and the nations of the earth who my son is. And the billboard just, you're driving down the highway and you're like, 818, the sign. Now, listen, it's not about 818, what we're doing. You are the sign. This house, every person in this room, if you're bored and breathing, you are a sign. You are God's dream wrapped in flesh. You are God's dream. Do you know when I was, oh, Jesus, I feel the weight. You are God's dream wrapped in flesh. I'm st- let it go in. Let it sink in. I am God's dream. Say that over your soul, church. I am God's dream wrapped in flesh. God has a dream and a story he wants to tell through your life. He's writing. Will you put a period? He puts the comma. He's not done writing your storyline. He's not finished with you. So, so, so the billboard goes up. And we do the, so we do another 818 gathering and now we feel like we're in the middle of a movement and I lost my, my internet just went out. So I'm going to try to, Oh, Holy spirit, help me. Jesus. Can you guys just, Oh yeah. My, my, okay. Let's try one more time. Maybe what I have to say is, is good. Okay. So we have the gathering, but I want to share with really quick just to try to wrap this up. And then I want to pray. What are we assigned unto? 
What is a sign? A sign is an object, a quality, and an occurrence which indicates the probable presence or occurrence of something else. We're not a sign unto ourselves. We never meant to work to ever be a sign unto ourselves. We are the sign like John the Baptist, a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. God is raising up signs that will point people to who? His son. Many are going to be saved when they see signs. We are just a, we're just, we're just an occurrence which indicates the probable presence or occurrence of something else. So your life is called to be a sign in a culture where there's hashtags and fads, where truth is no longer popular or relevant in an age of deception. You are called to be a sign of truth. When you show up, everything shifts because you're in the room. And if the culture can shut your mouth down, doesn't have to deal with truth because you know what? We're in a time where, Evil wants to be normalized. We call good evil and evil good, right? But when there's a sign in the room, somebody has to stand up and say, no, you don't have to say it loud. You just have to say it and it will shut the whole thing down. And even if it doesn't, it subpoenas the conscience of a nation. Jesus did all the time. It's okay to kill a baby up to nine months in a room. I mean, in the womb, somebody stands up and say, that's a lie. This is what the word of God says. You are a sign of truth and God's going to give us courage. Amen. So we're called to be a sign, but the way that signs function, right? Is in the place of prayer. We're called to be a sign that stands and ministers and burns unto the Lord. You cannot fight injustice apart from intimacy with God. Isaiah 61, 6, and you shall be called the priests of the Lord. You will be named the ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of the nation. You will be a sign that ministers unto him that's able to see a whole nation and cities and regions changed. You will be a sign that stands and burns. Leviticus 6.13. You will be a sign. This house is going to be a sign where the fire never goes out. But day and night the fire will burn. I gave a prophetic word yesterday where I felt night and day and day and night. Prayers are going to arise to God. If you're in this room and you are called to the night watch. A call to the house of the Lord. I urge you to sign up for the prayer room. How many of you feel called to intercession? You guys are the most hungriest church I've ever preached to. Like, I'm serious. You guys are so hungry for God. So you're called to be a sign of intercession. I want to read this last verse because I could feel, you know, I don't want to lose you guys here. Joshua 4, 6, and 7. This story is so powerful. You know why we need signs? So that we can continue to pass legacy down to the next generation. Joshua chapter four, verse six and seven says, let this be a sign among you. So what's happening? Joshua, they're crossing the Jordan. God says, take these stones out of the Jordan. And these stones were to represent God's faithfulness. How these stones represented God's covenantal friends that left everything to follow him. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, take the stones as a sign. And he said, so that when your children's children ask, what do these stones mean? You can say to them, the same God who parted the Red Sea will part the Jordan for you. Oh, 
those signs and stones, we are memorial stones unto the Lord. So the Lord wants our life to be a sign. He wants people to look at us and read. But listen, here's the thing. Your life is saying something, but the question is, what is it saying? And I believe the Lord wants to write, rewrite history. I, I, what I'm feeling is some of you have, uh, I want to shift a little bit, some stolen inheritances. Some things that were stolen from your life that even as you're listening to me, it feels like, oh, that's nice. But I, I don't know if that's for me. Can you just wave at me? Stolen inheritances. You know you're called to be a sign, but it's like the enemy has trying to erase things and try to disqualify you and shut your voice down. I want to pray over you. I know I've got five minutes. It's supposed to end at 12. So we're going to go into ministry if that's okay, because I really want to pray for people. So 818 the sign. This city is called to be a sign in Iowa in the middle of the crisis. What's Iowa's crisis? This house through intercession, ecclesia prayers, because there's governmental keys. I see governmental keys in this house hanging on the walls. So this house is called to take those keys and unlock things in the earth. It doesn't matter what bills and laws are passing. You are the ecclesia. And you have the governmental authority from heaven to shift things and to decree things. How the spirit of adoption would rest on this region for children and for life. And for orphans and for foster and adoption. And that this church would be catalytic in this adoption movement. There would be more children that would outnumber the congregation. Is it happening already? And so I'm going, I said to Rebecca, she goes, what do you feel God's saying? I said, chocolate, sweetest place on earth and Iowa. And she's like, okay. So we get in the building. What was on the table? Hershey chocolates. Now, I remember being in Pennsylvania and Heidi was speaking. I know she's going to be with you guys. And she starts praying over the Hershey and the chocolates start multiplying in the meetings. But anyway, what I feel like the Lord is saying that this house is a sign of his love. This house is a sign of adoption. And this house is a sign of restoration. And this house is a sign of inheritances. So if that's you. And you feel that call. I want you to just come up and we're going to pray. If you're saying, I want to be a sign of adoption. I want to be a sign of the turnaround. I know that I'm called to be a voice in this city. Whatever your spirit, maybe it's not the courts. Whatever your spirit of influences is. Whatever you're called to. Listen, mantles are dropping on you. Mantles are coming. God is going to back us up. We can't do this apart from the Lord. The spirit of God is going to help us in this. God is going to anoint us with power to fulfill the calling and the assignment of God upon our lives. So I just want to have the worship team pray. Just begin to lift your hands to the Lord church. You are the ecclesia. You have all the expense and the authority. So right now, father, we cry out all over this room, all over this room, Lord. I pray for sign prophets. I pray that you release the sign of the turnaround. Some of you, I see the Lord is giving you billboards and you've got to write something on it. Some of you, I see God is starting to release scrolls, scrolls in your hands, scrolls that Ezekiel. Father, we thank you, Lord, for release of your power. More, Lord, more, Lord, more, Lord. Apostolic, this, this man right here. 
When I saw you earlier, I saw keys of authority. I saw Isaiah 9. I felt like the Lord was saying that the government of God is on your shoulders, even in business in different areas. God is going to breathe new life in your lungs. God is going to breathe a fresh fire upon you. And I heard the Lord say, he is my general. He is my general. There's a general anointing on you and you're a trustworthy man. You're a man of substance. You're a man of honor. You are a man of integrity. And God is going to be going to honor. I feel like next the next 12 years, it's like that apostolic anointing, the ears to hear and eyes to see what the spirit of the Lord is doing. You, the spirit of prophecy is resting on you. And the Lord says, breathe it in, breathe it in, breathe it in deeper. He's going to take you and your wife deeper. So much faithfulness for you. So much. God saw every yes that you guys made. He saw every time you said yes, and he's going to honor that. Every time you said, God, I'll go. Every time you made the decision, I see you sitting at your desk, writing out checks to people when you didn't know where it was going to come from. And God is saying, I'm going to honor that. And I'm going to double what you gave. I'm going to double what you gave. I'm going to double what you gave. More, Lord. I'm just going to come down and start to, I need the prayer team, Rebecca, to come and we're just going to start to pray for inheritances all stolen inheritances we claim it and we call it back all the inheritances family inheritances I see litigation things please get the prayer team so nobody gets hurt things that were tied up in litigations we pray for it I saw you earlier and I said to you that you had a double portion on your life and I want to pray that Daniel anointing there's a call this is the Daniel just that Daniel, that Daniel. I see you. I see that double portion, Daniel. I hear the Lord calling you by name. I just see the Lord. There's something about your prayer life and the way you see things. I I feel like there's this, you see things out of the box and God is going to use your mind. He's going to, there's an anointing on your brain. There's going to be creative ideas released through your life. God's going to honor you. God's going to honor. And I feel like even the search, like the call to truth. I feel like God's going to use you to, to, to even atheists, people who don't know the Lord. God's going to put you in front of people and you're going to be a voice of truth to them because it's in your DNA and it's in the bloodline. And so God, I just thank you for the word of God that's been deposited in this young man. And I hear the Lord say to tell him he's calling you higher. He's calling you higher to seek him this season on all of your decision making. I feel like you've had to make some choices and God is saying, I want you to call to me and I'll answer you. And so Lord, I just pray for a double portion anointing. I pray for the fire of God to begin to rest upon them in a new way. And I see a stream. I just see, I see like a sea of people behind you because I hear the Lord say, you are called to be a leader. You are called to be a leader. You are called. It may not look, it may look differently, but I have marked you for such a time as this. More Lord, can we just agree. Father, lay all over the room. Would you guys begin to cry out? Just begin to lift your voices. Stolen it and all. Lord, we pray for inheritances to be released. Father, we ask for restoration. This man right here, fire of God. Fire of God over you. Fire of God over you. Fire of God over you. Father, we pray right now for the fire of God over this man. Father, I pray for restoration of the body, restoration, physical strength. God, I thank you for the calling. And I see you like an eagle of intercession. And I see that prophetic man.
mantle on your life, that even to even to see things before they come. I feel like you're a student of revival. You're a student of uh, of the things of God. And the Lord says you're not old. You're young in Him. He's just getting started. And so I pray for a rejuvenation of strength to your family, to your children. I pray for a fresh anointing over your wife right now, over her physical body, the fire of God to come and to release. Father, I pray right now for a spiritual and a physical release. More, Lord, even heaviness. I feel like heaviness has tried to come and tried to weigh you down, but the Lord wants to break it off of you right now and release joy for morning. Joy for morning. Joy, 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 joy. I see the angels of God. I see the power of God coming, and I see the Lord visiting you in your kitchen, and he wants to speak to you. That Catherine Coleman anointing for healing. Father, more right now for her body, the fire of God. More, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. I don't, I don't even, can't even make my way around. But if you, if you feel just the fire, just wave at me. If you're feeling any tangible heat, my, if you feel heat on your body, I want you to ask the Lord for more. If you're feeling heat and someone around you need healing, if you need healing in your body, wave. For those who feel heat, I want to ask you to pray for those who have their hands raised because I believe there's a fiery healing anointing on you right now Father God we ask that the healing bomb of Gilead would drop into this room Father right now we break off all sickness in Jesus name more Lord more Lord more Lord more Lord more Lord more Lord we pray for pools of glory more Lord guys just you just begin to ask him for more and you begin to ask him for more begin to ask him for more he's here the presence of God is here. Arrest the people in the back of the room. More, Lord, all over this room, God. Oh, Jesus. Whoa. Fire, fire, fire. Oh, fire. Fire, God. The fire of God. The fire of God. The fire of God. The fire of God. The fuego. The fuego, my Señor.
is not just for the pastor. It's on the house. If you're in the house, you're under it. Whether you like it or not. The governmental call to intercession is on this house to shift laws. I feel a governmental mantle from God resting on this house. To shift things over the region. Some of you are going to get a gripping like you've never had before. Even on the men, all the men, you've got keys of authority. My hands are starting to burn. There's an anointing of the divinic calling on the men. All the men, raise your hand because God is going to release the fire of revival on the men in this house. Watchmen, 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 watchmen. More, Lord. Come on, men. Come on, brothers. Fire of God's all over her. sheets for some reason there's an appeal to heaven in this house there's a watchman calling on the men and the women and I hear the Lord say you men you're going to watch your home and you're going to make decrees and say Satan this place you will not enter into there's an authority on the men for your home for this city and you need to take your place take your stand watchmen come on men all of you men I am a Deborah and I've called to call some of you men to battle father right now the spirit of God I saw the Lord I saw the Lord handing out I just can't raise my voice too loud I saw the Lord handing out general hats And he said, this is my army of Ecclesia. This is my generals. And I see these general hats being released over the men. And I hear the Lord saying, at ease, at attention, because I need you in the fight right now. You know, we prayed over the women, but listen, you're the ones that make the way for us. So we need a young man right there. The fire of God is on you so strong. I just want you to breathe because I believe the breath, that spirit of Elijah, the Lord wants to just baptize you with fresh fire and fresh song. But more Lord, all the men right now, keys of authority are being released to you. Keys of intercession, keys to break chains of sexual addictions, keys to break chains of pornography, keys to break chains of injustice keys are being released to you and so we pray the keys of revival over the men we pray for the spirit of Elijah come on church come on church where are you at we pray for the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children we pray for that Charles Finney anointed to come Lord release the wicks of revival release the wicks of fire more Lord Some of you men, see my spiritual father taught me to pray. Some of you men are going to have to go on a fast. Call your doctor. But I feel like there's something about the men in this house. Fasting and sieging in the place of prayer. In the place of prayer. There's the government. See the women, there's a governmental. Have you guys heard this word before? 
there's a governmental calling. Can we pray right now for the ending of abortion? Men, can we start to have like 10 minutes of intercession? Come on, let's just cry. Lift your voices in the spirit. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we cry out that you release the spirit of, Lord, that you would end abortion in America. Father, we cry out right now, Lord, that you raise up men who say we want our babies. Father, we cry out that you shift and turn the tide. Father, we repent for Governor Cuomo. We repent for the state of New York. We repent for Mexico. Father, we say we're so sorry when we think it's okay to kill a baby.
because we're in a time where babies are being slaughtered up to nine months. Doesn't that break your heart? Doesn't that make you cry? Or are we so callous in our nation? I know you guys cry, but can we stretch our hands to these? We've all got to get in the fight somehow. Father, we ask for strength. We ask for a turning of women in our nation. Father, we cry out that you would give them the tools and the resources that many would turn. The one that there would be an I Love Babies movement and that women would be healed. God, we cry out for women in America. God, we will not go the way of China. Father, we will not go. We cry out for Mexico. We ask God that you reverse the curse. You raise these two up like Esther. God, raise them up. Give them favor at the highest court. God, I pray that they would be able to speak to senators and the lawgivers and that laws would shift and laws would change through their lives one life at a time. I hear the Lord say one life at a time. I'm going to give you one life at a time. One life at a time. One life at a time. And what you do matters. You are important to me. What you do matters. And I pray a supernatural grace to come upon you. A supernatural anointing. But listen, it's not just her responsibility. It is the responsibility of the ecclesia in the earth. So whether it's adoption or foster care, we are responsible. Father, we cry out for doctors. God, in shut Planned Parenthood down. Defund Planned Parenthood. Defund Planned Parenthood, God. And raise up an adoption movement of life in Jesus' name. Guys, if you're just, we're going to close, but just let the Lord speak to your hearts. Just let the Lord just minister to you as you go home. Ask God for dreams. Ask God to show you how he wants to use your life because your life is a dream. You're a dream of God wrapped in flesh. And I pray whatever it is that God gives you, assignments, please write it and say, God, I'll commit. Maybe you got to change your schedule around. Maybe shut the social media off a little bit and say, Lord, use me and make me a voice in Jesus' name. Amen. you last night, De Havilland, she didn't know that we host a house of prayer here, but she pulled it out of the air. It's in the air. And what God wants to do is going to, it's going to require the house of prayer being stoked. We need to find our place on the wall. We have prayer meetings different times during the week. And if one doesn't fit your schedule, we'll create one. But we've got to stoke the house of prayer for what God wants to do. We've received that word again and again as a governmental house to shift things. Many of you will remember before Bob Phillips passed, he told us that there's going to be words released from the platform in intercession and worship that we would read about in the papers, that it would shift governmental affairs. Well, that's going to require prayer. I want to encourage you. Ask the Lord where you're supposed to do in regards to the house of prayer. 
We need to stoke the furnace at Kahop. We need to stoke the furnace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all that you've done. Now, Lord, I pray, God, that you would take what you've spoken to us, stirred in us, released to us, and establish it, Lord. Lord, help us not to get over it. But, Lord, ruin us from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com slash give.